Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, I'm back again, folks. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. I just, uh, or God, uh, revealed something to me. Uh, Revelation really is, uh, I get an understanding. We we all get... uh, revelations from God or from someone else from time to time to help us understand something. And then uh, yesterday I just didn't realize that Damascus was, as I'm speaking right now, being in the process of being totally destroyed. Now, it's not destroyed yet. Uh, It's still a city. But if the bombing doesn't stop, (laughs) unfortunately it's going to be destroyed totally and not be a city anymore. So... Uh, and I just did a recent program. Uh, please listen to it. It is in the archives. You can listen to it after you get to listening to me today. And so uh, uh, you'll understand that we are certainly living in the end times. That's the reason why I did it. I didn't get this. I didn't do the program to get you alarmed and get you to be afraid or whatever. I, I did it for the opposite reason to have more confidence in Yah's prophetic word and, and to prepare yourself. Uh, just like our, our government agency, FEMA, tells us to prepare for any emergencies. Well, we should be preparing because it's going to be a rough ride, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from now on in. and it's, it's From now and for the future, it's going to be a rough ride. And Yah punishes any nation, any individual. Um, one of the major ways that he does it, he takes away the ability of you being able to take care of yourself and uh, you start to have financial problems and so that's how he that's one of the ways that he spanks adults i did a program on this recently uh when i talked about the doomsday clock in the beginning i was explaining how we should understand and accept Yah's punishment and discipline that he gives us and that discipline and punishment is not always pleasant just like when a child it talks about this in hebrews chapter 12 just like a child is spanked it's not pleasant, but it brings, or it's supposed to anyway, brings out righteousness. So that's the same way God punishes adults. And so anyway, I implore you to listen to that program. Uh, it is three minutes to uh, midnight. Three minutes to midnight. Why? And it's based on the doomsday clock, and this Bible study is not about that. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about the topic of this particular Bible study. Does a human being, does a human being have to earn respect? 
according to the Bible. I've heard this uh, from people. I've heard this uh, throughout my almost 50 years of existence. Uh, actually, <laughs> not the full 50 years, because uh, when I was a one-year-old, I don't think I understood anything, or two or three. Uh, maybe at three years old, I started to really start to comprehend what people were saying to me. But the point of it, I would say maybe 48, 47 years, I've heard this phrase, uh, you got to earn respect, you got to earn respect. You know, I've heard that. And But what's the Bible definition of respect? Should we respect all of mankind? Did King Saul deserve David's respect? We're going to go over that today. Do we continue to respect our parents, even if they treat us bad? What about our bosses at work? Do we treat our bosses with respect if they treat us bad? What about congregational leaders and elders? I'm, I'm a congregational leader. Should we treat them with respect if they treat us bad? Do we have a right to execute vengeance upon someone else, or is that God's responsibility? Well, we're going to answer all those questions today in this program, and if I need to go over, I will, and I'll let you know. So the, the scriptures state plainly, folks. It says, honor all men, and that means all men, and men uh, in this context certainly refers to women too, um, all of mankind. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. How do we fear God, folks? What is the Bible definition of fearing God? Well, let's look at some definitions. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It states plainly, The fear of the master is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate? And so that is certainly part of having the fear of the master, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you, you have to have that sentiment. You have to have that attitude of um, wanting to obey him fully. And then in Psalm 111, verse 10, this is in the King James, says, the fear of the master is the beginning of wisdom. So if if you just fear and, and revere and respect him, <laughs> you have a good understanding. But if you don't respect him, if you don't want to hear when someone tells you, like last week, I was going to quote a scripture to answer this individual's question. He said, "Don't don't I don't you don't have to show me that you don't want to show." You know, it's like no no no. I mean, you shouldn't treat God's word like that. If you treat God's word like that, he's going to treat you like that. When you're going to ask him for things that you need, you should always be willing to want to hear the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. And this happened, you know, last week. Uh, I'm not going to give any names. That's not the purpose. But it, it's just uh, it saddens me when people treat God's words like that, and they they don't want to be told things, or they they try to have attitudes. They think they know everything. They can't be told nothing, and yet they're not even reading their Bible on a consistent basis, and, and yet they want to tell you how to do things. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And uh, people that had that attitude, they need to, to stop it. Uh, in Psalm 110, verse 10, this is the amplified version of the Bible, it says the reverent fear and worship the Lord, the, the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill, the preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite, and the alphabet of good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord or the master, their praise of him endures forever, 
And then in the King James Version, it states, uh, a good understanding have all they that do his commandments, that do something. So, and then in the uh, Scriptures Version of the Bible, it's a break uh, translation, it says, the fear of Yahovah, or Yah, is the beginning of wisdom. All those doing, so you have to do something, all those doing them have a good understanding. His praise is, is standing forever. So I just want to emphasize what he, what that means by fearing Yahovah or God. Go back to that scripture here that we're studying here. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and it has something to do with keeping his commandments and, and hating evil. Honor the king. And in this context, it's not just talking about Kings who keep Shabbat is talking about any king around the world, including our president right now. He's like a king, President Obama. And I, you know, it's not just President Obama, but presidents in general. People just, they just have a tendency just to just vent their frustrations out on our leaders. Did David do that to King Saul? No, he did not. He did not. Honor in First uh, Peter two verse seventeen is translated respect in other translations of the Bible for a good reason because that's what it means. But we're going to go down and break this word down respect because it's so misunderstood today in the twenty first century. Show respect for all men. I'm reading this in the Amplified version of the Bible now for amplification's sake, for magnification of the word, or to amplify amplification's sake. So show respect for all men. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood, the Christian fraternity or believers of which Messiah is the head. Reverence Yah. Honor the emperor or the king or the president, killer outside of religion, rulers. Which means you should also respect their regulations, which the scripture stating that there's, there's some people thinking that I've, I heard this last week. That, um, oh, we need to not have a marriage license, we need not to have a social security number and all this other stuff. But what does First Peter chapter 2 say? What does First Peter chapter 2 verse 13 say? We've got to listen to what the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen. It says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Every ordinance of man. And who are you doing this for? For the master's sake, whether it be to the king or supreme and this has something to do with respect, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of Canard? No, it's the will of Yahovah, or God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So God, not Canard, is commanding each and every one of us obey every ordinance of man. Now, of course, if it's a situation where it violates Torah, we should not obey it. But what is getting a marriage license? What does that have to do with violation of Torah or your Social Security number? We always have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, of the following. First, John, when we're trying to obey his commandments. 1 John 5, verse 3, and a lot of people just don't get this. For this is the love of Yah, that we keep his commandments, and let's not forget the rest of the verse, and his commandments are not grievous. And I find people in this movement making the commandments grievous. 
They're making him burdensome. Now, they are a challenge to keep. I, I, I certainly would agree with that, 100%. They are a challenge to keep, and they shouldn't be easy to keep. But it should not be extremely difficult to keep either. And if you don't have a marriage license, if you don't have a social security number, things are going to be grievous for you, a lot more grievous to get things done. And God does not require that of you. He states to obey every ordinance of man for his sake. It is God, not us, that put these rulers in their positions. And so his, his responsibility. The Messiah stated that we, the, uh, the kingdoms of this world, have been given over to the Gentiles. Joseph lived in Egypt, and it was a ruler of Egypt. He participated in the government of Egypt. The Egypt is symbol is symbolic of the world. Daniel was the third president of Persia. They both were given what we call pagan names, but it's in the Bible. So let's let's stop it with the foolishness, okay? And let's focus on what God's word says and love it and take it seriously. And let's not make his commandments grievous. And we have to learn how to respect our governments. We don't complain when the police come when, when there's a problem that we have, right? Do we all complain when the fire department comes out and, 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 and um, do what they're supposed to do, do the best they can to put out the fire, do we? We don't complain about many other things that the government does. So let's stop complaining about it. And let's obey what God tells us in his word about submitting to the government of man. Now, in extreme cases, they tell you you can't keep the Sabbath. Oh, that's different. But a marriage license? Social security number? Come on. God shows us another way that we have to come out of Babylon. And it certainly has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with leaving this country before it gets destroyed. And that's going to be another Bible study. And also, spiritually, we should come out of Babylon. We shouldn't live like the rest of the people. That's what Daniel did. He prayed. He done things. And he, and he got persecuted for that, but God got him out of it. Remember, he was thrown in the lion's den? God protected him. So God will protect you in this Babylonian society. We do the best we can. And getting a marriage license, social security number, that makes things... Uh, not extremely easy for us, but it doesn't complicate things unnecessarily for us either. And you're not going to be damned if you have a marriage license or a social security number. And if people are preaching that, they're preaching false doctrine to you. And you shouldn't be listening to that mess. So anyway, let me get back to, I'm just a little angry about that because I've heard this stuff from many people. And it's starting to affect people that I care about, so I have to warn them about the foolishness. Anyway, um, and I hope they're listening to this program because they need to. All right, so let me get back to what I'm talking about today. Does a human being have to earn respect according to the Bible? And this does have something to do with the Bible study because we're supposed to respect uh, what God tells us to respect. If we, uh, if we are commanded to obey every ordinance of man, then we have to respect those laws. So this, this has something to do with the Bible study, ladies and gentlemen. As long as those laws are, and the marriage, I don't see how the marriage license, and I've studied the, the, the uh, people's objections to it, how that violates God's commandments. We're supposed to get married. What's the matter with 
having a, a piece of paper showing, and I understand. We are already slaves. We are slaves to the government. We understand that we're slaves to God. <laughs> we're supposed to be slaves to righteousness. All right? So we serve the government. That's what slave means. And we don't serve the government if they tell us. And, you know, there's a scripture that says we ought to obey God rather than man. Okay? But a marriage life, social security, what does that got to do with disobeying God, folks? Okay? So so we are all in this in this Babylonian society. We live in it, and we do the best we can to keep Torah. Let's not make it a burden, folks. So anyway, um, honor, Strong's number is G as in GOAT, 5091. And it means to esteem. The word esteem means to value, to have value, for something to have worth, honor, and reverence. All right? So we should have, whenever we look at a human being, we should look at that human being and understand that a human being has value or worth. After all, we are created in the image, in his image, folks. Even if that image has been corrupted, we are still created in his image, ladies and gentlemen. We are created in his image. And I did hear someone preach that we're not in his image. And that is not accurate teaching, folks. Uh, we are in his image. And, I, you know, I'm going to have to clarify this now. But, but it, it's, it's um, that the image has been damaged, no doubt. The image has been damaged. But that doesn't mean that we're still not in his image, that we still don't look like him, folks, because we do. We do look like God. All right? And we are made in his image. We are made in his image, ladies and gentlemen. And so we must believe that. That's that's one of the, the... basic understandings of scripture that we are certainly made in his image so this is something that uh, we need to understand and this is something that um, is really clear out the bible and so because we are in his image ladies and gentlemen we should value each and every human being on this earth So, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7, it says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as as he is the image, not just the image, but also the glory of Yah. Now, this is the Apostle Shaul or Paul saying this in the first century. And so, he still understood that a man indeed ought not to cover his head, and this is talking about, the environment, uh, Rico Cortez did an excellent Bible study on this uh, about uh, the, the head coverings, talking about how the Romans wore, wore their head coverings. It has really not talking about keep us, okay? And matter of fact, he did explain, and he's correct about this, that uh, when the priests went into the temple, they wore something over their head. That's why, I, that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I know Yah has inspired me to put something over my head whenever I go into or fellowship with people. And then, of course, I'm a, a Torah teacher, so I do that out of respect for Yah, and then also to, to make sure that I understand uh, that 
Yah is over me, and he's my head. But anyway, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much, and is talking about as, as the Romans were doing it, as back then, as he is the image and glory of Yah. And so right here it says that a man is the image and glory of God. And yet I hear someone saying that we are not. Well, I think we better pay attention to the apostle uh, Shaul much more than this individual or individuals that are preaching this. All right. Uh, and Shaul, not this individual or individuals, uh, is not a part of the foundation of the assembly. Shaul is an apostle, so I'm going to take his words over anyone else's words. And if Shaul was saying that a man is is still the, in the image of God, then I'm going to believe it. So, <laughs> so I just want to clarify that one, okay? Uh, and uh, you know, I have to correct. That's one of our responsibilities as Torah teachers. Uh, uh, we need to correct folks. If, if someone sees that I'm preaching in there, I hope you correct me. Uh, Yaakov 3, verse 9, it says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we man, which are made after the similitude of God. That word similitude means resemblance or image. And matter of fact, in some translations, it's, it's translated image of God. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that is the truth about that. All right, that uh, we are still in the image. Now, that image has been damaged, no doubt, and it means likeness. And, and this and this scripture is an allusion to Genesis 1, verse uh, 26. So let me just read this. Uh, this is a good commentary here. It says, the only instance in the New Testament of this, James 3, verse 9, an allusion to Genesis 1, verse 26, is in the Septuagint, Ezekiel 1, verse 10, and Daniel chapter 10, verse 16, where man is said to bear God's likeness or image. Although theologians continue to debate about the precise nature of man, variously defining it, and so forth, one thing is certain from this passage, namely that even fallen man, even fallen man, even fallen man retains some semblance, however badly marred by sin, of the divine impress given him at the original creation. All right, so... That is very important to understand. Even though the DNA structure has been damaged, we are still in the image of God. So I just want to clarify that. So let's go back to understanding what honor is biblically or respect. It's to have esteem, value, or worth. And I had to go into detail explaining the image because some people who may have listened to this uh, teaching about they were not in the image of God. Um, they need to understand that the Bible and says that we still are in the image in His image, despite the sin that we committed. So to esteem, value, or worth, honor, reverence. So whenever you look at a human being, remember that human being as being in God's image and God's likeness. And just because of that alone, we need to respect that human being. I mean, people today they. <laughs> They care more about their animals than they care about human beings, folks. Treat their animals a lot better. And the Bible says a righteous man take care of his animals. Well, a human being has such so much more value than an animal, folks. And then also, 
human beings, uh, parents, they treat their kids, I mean, their kids disrespect them so much, they talk and mouth back to them. What does the Bible say about kids in the end times, folks? And, I, and believe me, I, I have a special, those who teach, this prophecy comes alive to you. <laughs> Second Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And the word perilous, what does it say? It means difficult, difficult, difficult times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents and authority figures. And I have to deal with that every time I go out and teach in the Columbus City Schools in Columbus, Ohio. I have to deal with kids being, not all of them act like, but a good portion of them. They're so disrespectful, so disrespectful. They don't, but see, what do I do? Do I do I curse at them? Do I beat the, the living whatever out? No, I do not. I value them still, even though they're disrespecting me. And we are commanded to do that, ladies and gentlemen. If we are true believers, we are commanded to take it. To take it. So I'm going to show you that today. Even if I have to go over, I'm going to show you that that today. And so th- this is very important, folks, this concept of respect. And one of the things that even I experienced today as, a, as, as an elder of the merciful servants of God, the, my assembly, uh, the youth, and when I mean by youth, the millennials, they don't have the proper respect. Some do, a lot don't that I've experienced. And Leviticus nineteen verse thir- Leviticus nineteen verse thirty two says plainly. I'm reading this in the in the um, ESV version. You shall stand up before the gray head, and I have gray hairs, and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. How do you fear God? If you hate evil and you keep those commandments. If you don't stand up and respect the gray head, whether it's from a man or a woman, and honor the face of an old man or a woman, you shall you shall fear your God, it says. If you don't do that, you're not obeying him. And even in an elder situation, and this is talking about respect, valuing that individual. Uh, and, uh, it says right here plainly, Rebuke, not an elder. And this can refer to someone who's old and also a, an elder in an assembly. Uh, but entreat him as a father. So you should oppose to treat your congregational leaders and also elderly people like a father and the younger men as brethren. And not just men, but the women, the elder women as mothers. The younger as sisters with all purity... We should be treating each other like family, and we don't. We should show respect. And 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 First um, Peter, chapter five, it tells us this responsibility of elders, the elders which are among you. I exhort, whom also an elder, so an apostle is an elder too, and a witness of the sufferings of Messiah, and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. We don't feed them just by, well, we do feed food, but more important than food, we feed you the word of God, which is among you, taking the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, not of filthy, uh, not for money purposes, or just try to make money, but of a ready mind, neither as being 
masters over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yes, all of you, be subject one to another. Okay? Now, an older person submits to a younger person in a different way than a, a, a younger person would submit to an elder person. It's different. All right? So, but respect should be both ways. It should be both ways. It should be both ways, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's get to the situation. And like I said, this program may go over because this is a very important topic. Uh, people need to get undeceived about this. First uh, Samuel chapter 24, starting at verse 1. And it came to pass when Shaul or Saul was returned from following the Philistines, and this is King Saul, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of um, Engedi, I guess. Then Shaul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David, or King David, not, well, he wasn't King David at the time, but David, <laughs> and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats by the way, coats by the way, where was a cave, and Shaul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Verse 4, And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the master said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thy enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David rose and cut off the skirt of Shaul's robe privately. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off uh, King Saul's skirt. So he, he, he was even disturbed by just doing that. That's how much respect. And come on, folks, did King Saul deserve respect based on his behavior? No. But David understood that you're still supposed to love your enemies. And this is an example of it. Loving your enemies has something to do with understanding that you, even your enemy is made in the image of God. And we should respect that. All right? Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Shaul's robe privately. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Shaul's skirt. In verse 6, and he said unto, him, men, unto his men, The master forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The master is anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the master. So he knew even, this is a good example about Barack Obama. Sure, he believes that, you know, abortion is okay. Yes, he believes that gay is okay. But does that give the right to disrespect him? No, it does not. And we need to stop that foolishness. We need to still honor the king. Just like King David honored King Saul, even though he was wicked. The fine example, verse 8. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave, cried after King Saul, saying, My master the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to there. He still respected this wicked king. He still respected him. This king that was disturbed by demons. Verse 9. And David said to Saul, Where hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. So he said, why are you thinking that I'm going to hurt you, King Saul? Why? Why? 
Verse 10, Behold, this day thy eyes have seen how the master has delivered thee today into my hand in the cave, and some bade me kill you, but my eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth my hand against my master, for he is the Lord's anointed. Do you understand this? It is God who sets people up in governments. It is God who sets people up to rule over you. It is God that sets your boss over you. It is God, women, that set up your husband over you. Just because your husband may be wicked or just because a king is wicked or whoever is over you does not give you the right to disrespect him and not realize that they have value. King David understood this. Do we? That's the question. First Samuel 24, verse 11. Moreover, my father, see, yes, skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. He understood that vengeance is yours, not ours. And I have not sinned against thee. Yet thou huntest my soul to take it. And so, hey. He was saying he wasn't doing wickedness toward him, but he was doing wickedness toward him, the king. But he still respected the king. He honored the king, as uh, Shaul tells us to do. Or actually, Kepha, the apostle Kepha, tells us to do in his epistle, his first epistle. First Samuel 24, verse 12. The master judged between me and thee, and the master avenged me. The master will avenge me. He understood that. But my hand shall not be upon thee. My hand should not be upon thee. As says the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be upon thee. Verse 14. So in other words, he's not going to do what the king is doing. After whom is the king of Israel, just like a Barack Obama. He believes that gay people are okay and abortion is okay. I'm going to still honor and respect his position, but I'm not going to do what he does. I'm not going to think like he thinks. All right? So that's the proper way to respect Barack Obama, any any ruler that uh, says that something is okay when we know it isn't. All right? First Samuel 24, but we don't uh, uh, create funny pictures of them and disrespect them and, and call them names and so forth. We don't do that. First Samuel 24, verse 14, after whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom does thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? The master therefore be judged, and judge between me and thee, and see and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. And verse 16, And it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this my voice? Is this thy voice, my son David? It was his um, son-in-law. Is this thy voice, my son David? And, and Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And so he wept because he was just incredibly overtaken by King David's humble and respectful attitude toward him, and he knew that he was wicked, and he, it just brought him to tears. In verse 17, and he said to King David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good where I have rewarded thee evil. Let me underscore this again. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. In verse 18, and thou hast showed this day 
how that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the master has delivered me into thy hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Where if the master reward thee good for that that thou hast done unto me this day? And he did. He made him king, didn't he? That's why the master stated. This is an example of loving your enemies. Right here in First First Samuel chapter 24. The Jews said, well, no, Jesus never said that. Uh, yeah. Well, he did in the Old Testament. This is one example of loving your enemies. Verse 20, And now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thy hand. Swear now, therefore, unto me by the master, that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And King David, I mean, well, he will, he was King David of the future. Right now he wasn't in this context. And David swore unto King Saul, and King Shaul went home, but King, uh, not King, but <laughs> David, but David and his men got them up into the hole. Now this is an excellent example of respecting someone who, in a, and people would say, hey, he doesn't deserve respect. But God commands us to still respect someone who's wicked, ladies and gentlemen. That's what loving your enemies is all about, folks. All right? And we have to, to learn how to do that. We have to learn how to do that. If we don't learn how to do that, we're not going to really make it, folks. We have to learn how to suffer for righteousness' sake, and and I know that people in this movement, some of them don't want to do that. They want convenience. Keeping Yah's commandments aren't convenient. However, it shouldn't be burdensome either. Movement are making keeping those commandments burdensome, unfortunately. And so, to answer the question, should we respect all of mankind? Certainly. Do we... Continue to respect our parents, even if they treat us bad. Yes, we do. Where in the Bible does it say, well, if your father disrespects you, then uh, you, you don't respect him? I, I don't see that. Uh, our bosses at work, do we treat our bosses with respect if they treat us bad? Of course we do. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 to 21. First Peter chapter 2, verses 18 to 21. Servants, be subject to your masters or your bosses with all fear. Fear. What is fear again? To hate evil and keep the commandments. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. Let me repeat that again. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. With all fear. Not only to the good and to the gentle. It's so easy to respect someone who's good and gentle. But what about someone who makes a mistake? What if someone... Uh, shout and scream and holler at you. What if they even curse at you? Can you respect them at that time? But he commands us to also respect the fort. All right? And what does fort mean? That means the warped, the crooked. Uh, the word study dictionary states, perverse people, wicked people, unjust. And so God commands us incredibly to respect and be in subjection to wicked people, just like King David. King David was a man after God's own mind. He thought like God. God said that in the scriptures. 
and verse 19 of First Peter chapter 2. For this is thankworthy if a man for the conscience toward Yah endure grief, suffering wrongfully. I know this is incredible, folks, but I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. Blow the dust off of it. Get it and read it, okay? First Peter 2, verse 19, it says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward Yah endure grief, suffering wrongfully. We're supposed to suffer when our brothers and sisters hurt us. We don't try to hurt them. We don't avoid them unless their behavior is damaging the assembly. If that person's coming and saying, hey, I I changed. Please forgive me. We are commanded to forgive them. And you just don't say, well, uh, you know, I forgive you, but I can't be around you. No. If that person's behavior has changed, you are commanded to fellowship with that individual. And not forsake the assembly of one another, as Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 states. And people are doing that today in this movement, and that's why there is great division. One of the reasons why there's great division. First uh, Peter 2, verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience tore Yah endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults? You take it patiently, right? When you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. So incredibly, He wants us to suffer, and He wants us to suffer wrongfully, and He wants to take He wants us to take it patiently. This is God's words, folks. I'm not making this up. Verse 21. For even here unto you were called. We were called to suffer wrongfully. We were so, we were called to endure grief. Our Master was a man of grief and sorrows. We will be too if we follow Him. If you don't want to do that, you are not cut out for this. You're fooling yourself if you're not willing to suffer for wrong, for uh, suffer uh, for righteousness' sake. If you're not willing to suffer wrongfully, and we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to take abuse and take it, and we're supposed to take it patiently. Verse twenty-one: For even here until you were called, we were called to do that, because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled or talked bad about, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. All right? So we are to suffer wrongfully, folks. If you got a problem with that, you're going to have to get on your knees and, and pray to your eye and help him to understand the scriptures. You don't understand this walk. Looks like I'm going to go off the air here in a few minutes. Uh, but I'm going to continue a little bit more to, to close uh, this important Bible study that I'm giving. And so the remainder of this broadcast will be in the archives. Um, one more scripture, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. So I'm not going to be in the archives uh, that long, it appears. But Romans 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the master. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Uh, and we all have to do that, ladies and gentlemen. We have to ha overcome 
evil with good. We need to treat everyone with honor. We need to respect everyone as human beings, realize that every human being has value, even wicked human beings, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, I don't need to, to, to have this program in the archives. <laughs> May Yah bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 